my knee. If you could clone Brett Favre and put him in all the positions on the field, and then you played against another team of clone Brett Favre, right. I, mean, I, mean, I think the universe would explode. I mean, I... Oh, he put the team on his back. No, let's go inside the mind of Greg Jennings. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. Bad man! What's up, Packer Nation? Welcome to episode five of the Yet Another Packers podcast as we look ahead to Green Bay's week two matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. My name is Evan Massey. Usually, I would be with my co-host, Andrew Kula, but he is a little bit under the weather this weekend, so I have a special guest to introduce today, Dylan Reagan. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on, Evan. Appreciate it, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, we have a big week, and I was not ready to handle this by myself, so I'm glad you're on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I work with Evan at Clutch Points. I've been there since the company started near the end of 2015. I work in a lot of different parts of the company, but my title's Director of Content Strategy. Not exactly sure what that means for what I actually do day to day, but I just do a lot of things, uh, a lot of things involved with the NFL. So I've been helping us cover on the social media side football and for the last, this will be my fifth season now. Um, so excited for week two. Yeah, always, always these NFC North battles are great and Packers, Vikings, especially. I think they're probably at this point, unless the Bears turn things around quickly, the two teams that look the best after the first week. I absolutely agree with you. So speaking of the NFC North rivalry, obviously we have a big game this week. Week two, you can't get too terribly, you know, excited about it. It's not necessarily the biggest game on the schedule, but how big is this game for Green Bay? Uh, just looking at their schedule after this, I mean, they got a couple of tough games coming up against the Eagles and Cowboys. So I think starting 2-0, potentially 3-0 with Denver next week would be huge going into those matchups. Uh, I mean, not that Green Bay can't take them, but it's a, any game against another potential playoff contender in the NFC is going to be big. Everyone's There's going to be, you know, 8, 9, 10 teams kind of competing for playoff spots at the end of the year. So every win counts. It might be early, but, you know, they don't see the Vikings until week 16 after this. So... Uh, I think it'd be good to set the tone here and kind of establish what uh, with Green Bay's defense. We'll get into all that, but uh, see what they're able to do against Minnesota. Definitely a team that is probably at this moment seems like they'll be the biggest threat to Green Bay in the division. So one win here mean, could mean a lot because I mean the next time they face them will be in Minnesota, obviously. Yeah, it's a big game. I think what you said just a little bit ago is set the tone. I think that's the biggest thing about the first two games. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, hype surrounding Green Bay. There was also a lot of you know questions surrounding them with Matt LaFleur's first year as a head coach. Getting that first win was huge. If you can start the season off 2-0 and against the NFC North, that's a big confidence booster, and you absolutely set the tone for the rest of the season. Now, going in depth a little bit more on the Vikings, obviously we saw a very good team in Week 1, a 28-12 victory over the Atlanta Falcons. Their offense looked pretty good. Their defense, again, is very solid. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the Vikings? What did you see in week one from them? Obviously impressed with their defense. I think last year they might – even though the overall numbers weren't awful, they may have taken a step back. You saw when they faced better offenses, they got exploited in 2018. So it was good to see for, from their end, you know, against a Falcons team that had a lot of high expectations with an explosive offense to shut them down uh, almost completely until, you know, garbage time essentially. So I think overall, you know – Minnesota's offense looked good, but at the same time, all their scores came after turnovers and the block punt. So 
and they only had to throw 10 times. So we didn't really get to see one of the weaknesses for Minnesota, which is on their offensive line and pass protecting. I think that's one thing as we go into more of this matchup that hopefully if the game stays close and Minnesota doesn't have a huge lead and can't just keep running the ball to keep the clock moving, that's something the Packers will be able to exploit. But overall, Minnesota is still impressed. I mean, if Dalvin Cook's healthy, he's an absolutely terrifying weapon for them. Obviously, they have two of the best receivers in the NFL on the outside, so not an easy matchup uh, any way you go about it, but I think there are some things that Minnesota was able to kind of hide just based on how that game went and how they were able to get such a big lead early with the help of their defense. Yeah, I agree with that. I think when I was watching at least the highlights and I was watching the game a little bit throughout Minnesota-Atlanta, I mean, Kirk Cousins only threw, what, 10 times? Um, You didn't see a whole lot of that. Obviously, Kirk Cousins has a history of making crucial mistakes. I think Green Bay has to shut down the run. But Minnesota's a quality football team. Obviously, defensively, this is the same kind of test as last week. Green Bay's offense looked terrible last week against a very tough Chicago defense. I think they had negative 12 yards after the first quarter. Um, Obviously, you can't do that this week. I think Minnesota's secondary is quite a bit better than Chicago's. Um, Their line may not be quite as good, but I think it's a different kind of test. Obviously, offensively, you mentioned Dalvin Cook. Amazing talent. He looks fully healthy for the first time in a while. Um, You mentioned Kirk Cousins. Obviously, like I said, 10 passes total. You mentioned that he was able to hide a little bit behind the turnovers, forced turnovers and block punt. How good is Kirk Cousins? And quite frankly, is he a legitimate quarterback that could take this team to the Super Bowl? I think in the right situation, Kirk Cousins could absolutely do that. I just, you know, Minnesota does have a lot of things going for them. And if everything kind of went right, then sure. I don't don't think Kirk Cousins is a, like, you know, there's a negative connotation for him. And it's fair to, you know, go look back at his record against winning teams and overall uh, tough competition. And he's kind of struggled with that. But he's, he's a guy that when he does have a solid pocket, he can make some pretty accurate throws deep down the field. And he has had a few games against better competition where he has had winning drives. I think back to a game against Seattle a couple of years where tough environment still had the Legion of Boom defense in its uh, toward towards its peak, not quite. And he was able to lead a you know a drive in like three passes at the end of that game for the Redskins at the time. So he's he's had some success and I, I don't know if he's as bad as some people on Twitter might tell you, but I still don't I think he's a guy that if you can get uh, solid interior pressure. That's why when we talk about some of the important players, I'll definitely mention Kenny Clark because uh, Kirk Cousins with their offensive line, that's one thing with Minnesota. That their offensive line is going to be an issue if the Packers, especially with this improved pass rush, can make a, a difference here. So Cousins, uh, loaded question though overall, how good is he? It's, I mean, he's definitely in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL, but there's a lot of really talented guys. Um, so it's kind of tough to put him into that top 10. Um, so he's maybe in that 10 to 15 range for me right now. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think I think he's a very good quarterback. I, I've always seen, um, I've seen good signs of leadership from him. Obviously, he's the type of guy that you know players play for. Um, the issue I have with him, like you mentioned, if you put pressure on him, Green Bay showed a secondary that can make plays. They got a lot of speed back there. Adrian Amos looks pretty good. Jair Alexander is an elite cornerback, or at least getting close to it. Uh, Darnell Savage is a rookie, but he's extremely fast in the secondary. Kevin King looks healthy. So obviously those guys have to key in on um, making the most out of Kirk Cousins' mistakes this week. Um, You mentioned Dalvin Cook as well. Obviously he looks healthy. He looks good. 111 yards, two touchdowns on 21 carries in week one. Can the Packers stop him? Obviously they showed good signs last week against David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, but neither of those guys scare me. Dalvin Cook does. Yeah, it's a different test for sure. Dalvin Cook's a unique talent when he's healthy, as we've talked about, and he finally looks like he is. Can the Packers stop him? I mean, it, I don't even know if stop isn't necessarily what they have to do, but definitely slowing him down. you got to get Minnesota 
I mean, in this game, we talked about in the last game how they kind of disguised a lot of their weaknesses and they're up early so big. I think for the Packers, a lot of the ways they can exploit Green Bay will, or exploit Minnesota's offensive line will be to get them in the kind of longer third down situations. And obviously that comes with stopping the run. So whether they can stop completely, I don't know if that's the biggest issue, but if they can at least slow down Dalvin Cook and force Kirk Cousins into passing situations where uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith can kind of dial, their, uh, dial it back and get after the passer, then that'll be where the Packers can have success. So uh, it's going to be a big test. Uh, linebackers better be ready. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not. That's for sure. We've been flirting around with a little bit. I think we just need to go ahead and dive into it. Uh, what are the keys to stopping this Minnesota offense? Obviously, slow down Dalvin Cook, get pressure on Kirk Cousins. In addition to that, what else? I think keeping, making sure you know Minnesota's a team that thrives when they are winning and they can kind of control the tempo. I think make, as long as the game's close, uh, keep, uh, it's not even on the offensive side for Minnesota, but if the Packers don't turn the ball over and uh, use uh, J.K. Scott to kind of pin Minnesota back and make them have longer drives, that's going to be important. Minnesota thrived with shorter fields this week one uh, against the Falcons, so key to stopping Minnesota, yeah, as we talked about, it's forcing them to longer third downs, which comes with stopping the run. Um, overall, you can't really shut down both Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. So if you can at least uh, take away one of those guys and force the other to beat you, you can live with that a little more. So um, not an easy offense to really um, get after if you're not able to stop Dalvin Cook. If he's if he's going, then you can't really bring uh, the same pressure you're able to when you know that Kirk Cousins is going to have to pass. And I, I think that's especially why Mike Zimmer wanted to establish the run so much in that week one game because he knows that he's going to have to protect Cousins with more than just his own offensive line. So we'll see what the Packers are able to do. I think their pass rush has definitely improved a lot just from a year ago. So, And obviously, as you mentioned, the secondary is in much better shape. So you look at some of the past games where Diggs and Thielen have had huge numbers against the Packers the last uh, five or six matchups. I don't think it's, it's a completely different defense they're going to be seeing on Sunday. I have legitimate nightmares when I see Thielen and Diggs. Um, those two guys scare me a lot. They've they have brutalized the Packers defense over the past couple of years. Um, how you know when you look at the league's hierarchy as far as wide receiver cores, where does Minnesota stand? Obviously, those two guys are both legitimate, in my opinion, superstars. So when you look at the rest of the league, the landscape, how good are they? Yeah, even though the depth maybe of Minnesota's receiving corps isn't as high as some other teams, just the, the top talent there at the top between those two, I don't know if it can be matched off the top of my head. I mean, if I went down one by one through every team, that might be a different story. I'll, you know, I could think about the overall depth of maybe the Rams with their three guys, and there's a number of other teams as well. But I don't think there's any team that has near, uh, you know, maybe the top two talent between those guys. There's there's teams with a, a clear number one, maybe a really good number one and number number two. But these guys are legitimate superstar number one receivers both on the same team so uh definitely going to be a big test we'll see what uh Jair Alexander who he's matched up with compared to King I think King will also be a key player for us because uh yeah I mean stopping <laughs> stopping them is not easy so if, if he can at least have a, a, a good solid week you know and make some uh plays that kind of force Kirk Cousins to throw over the top of the defense that could be interesting with the safety that they have now so it's not easy, though. Uh, definitely up there with the best receiving corps in the NFL, just because of those two. 
Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, obviously the defense has a big test ahead of them. Uh, Vikings offense dangerous, um, much more dangerous, I think, than the Mitchell Trubisky-led Bears offense. Um, but let's switch to the offense for the Packers. Obviously, as we mentioned, negative 12 yards in the first quarter, only put up 10 points. Uh, Aaron Rodgers completed 18-30 for 203 yards and a touchdown. No picks last week, but it still was a lackluster performance. Matt LaFleur, looked a little bit off in his first game as the, as the head coach, and obviously he's calling the plays as well. So let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously there's a lot of criticism after week one. His game was not too bad against a top-notch defense, but he's got to be a lot better against the Vikings. Um, what are your expectations for Aaron Rodgers here in week two? Um, I, I mean, I think he'll bounce back, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think you can expect every week for him to only put up you know, 10 points with an offense. I think you're going back to what you said earlier. This is defensive front for the Vikings, might, probably not as good as the Bears. So if the Packers can get you know out in front of the chains a little bit and not be in so many third and longs, it, it seemed like every single time against the Bears it was like third and twelve, third and eleven, and they could have everyone coming for him. And Rodgers, no matter how great he is, had no time to do anything. So I think uh, for Aaron Rodgers in this game, I think if the Packers are able to find ways to gain, you know, at least get into third and uh, manageable situations, that'll help a lot. I still think you're going to see him. There might not be quite so many deep shots down the field. This is still a Minnesota defense that wants to make force you to make a mistake. And over the course of his career, Rodgers obviously doesn't turn the ball over much. And that's why he's had success against Mike Zimmer defenses compared to a lot of quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, who historically has been absolutely abysmal against them. So I think for Rodgers in the offense, it's still going to be a lot of shorter plays, kind of taking what the defense gives them. And that's fine because this is going to be more of a defensive battle than we're used to for these uh, Packer Viking matchups. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct on that. I think a lot of the short throws, that's what LaFleur wants to do anyway, and then he wants to mix in some deep shots. Uh, I think uh, Green Bay's offense over the past few years became so stale because all they would do is go deep, and it just became a weakness for them. Now we're going to start tar- talking about keys to getting the offense going this week. I want to start it off by saying Aaron Jones has to be better. Um, I was big on the hype train about Jones coming into this season. He had 13 carries, 39 yards against a tough Bears defensive line. Obviously, we both mentioned it. Minnesota's defensive line is not as stout. I think Aaron Jones is the main key to getting this offense rolling. Uh, Matt LaFleur loves the run. You saw it last year in Tennessee. He relied on Derrick Henry to open up the game for Mariota. Now, obviously, Mariota is nothing close to what Rodgers is. But the Packers offense still needs to get that ground game going. We didn't see it in week one. All offseason, we've heard about pound the ground, pound the ground, and then open up the, open up the pass. Um, what do you think the keys to getting the offense going are? It might sound simple on my end, but I think the offensive line just has to be better than last week and win those matchups up front. It sets the tone for everything, not just from running the ball like you're talking about with Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams, who saw the field quite a bit, but then with their passing game and what they can do there. And that's that partially goes to Matt LaFleur as well. I think another key is, you know, yes, you want to establish the run and kind of get those things going on the, um, on early downs, but at the same time, if you can if you can get four or five yards with a quick pass when the defense is kind of in a base on first down, when they they can't really they don't really know what you're going to do you can take that and that's not a problem either so again just getting out in front of the chains offensive line playing better it all sounds like kind of simple like old school football but it really is kind of what they need to do here against a minnesota defense that does look compared to last year already better so it's not going to be easy but yeah aaron jones uh, absolutely key if he can do some things in the passing game as well that'd be great 
Um, but uh, overall, I mean, you still have, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to be different in terms of how he's mentally prepared for this game. I think it comes down to the time he has to make throws and, the, and what actually happens down the field in front of him. So we'll see what the offensive line can do. It's going to be a big test, and maybe not quite as big as Chicago, but there's some still really talented guys in Minnesota's defensive line. Yeah, the offensive line is a huge key. Like you said, obviously you're looking at a guy like Everson Griffin. He's looking for a bounce-back season. He's deadly. Um, I wanted to bring up Jimmy Graham a little bit. Obviously last week we saw flashes of something decent in Jimmy Graham. Obviously last year was not a good first season in Green Bay. Three catches, 30 yards, an impressive touchdown catch. He had an impressive hurdle over a Bears defender. Um, is Jimmy Graham a guy that can actually make a difference moving forward? Can he be a consistent threat for Rodgers, or is that going to be one of those situations like last year where we saw a game or two where he produced and then then the rest of it was just disappointing? Um, I, I feel like until I, you see it week to week, it's hard to really say he's going to be a consistent threat for them. I I don't know. I mean, I, I just think there's so many more dangerous receiving options the Packers have and can exploit opposing defenses with. It just so happened with some of the matchups they had with, with what Chicago was taking away that Jimmy Graham was a guy that Rodgers was constantly targeting. Um, so, but I, yeah, I, I don't know if that's going to be – I don't feel be a huge factor in this game. I wouldn't rely on him fantasy-wise if unless you absolutely had to. But – uh, it's still still a guy that's very capable, and you know he's not who he used to be, but he doesn't have to be completely the old version of uh, Jimmy Graham. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rely on him yet, though. I'd, I'd like to see his role in this offense develop a little more and see what happens over the next few weeks first. So you mentioned the other dangerous receiving options that Green Bay has. Obviously, everybody knows Devontae Adams, superstar wide receiver, getting triple covered last week in Chicago. Let's talk about the other weapons. Uh, Marquez Vadas-Gantling, Geronimo Allison, maybe you see Jake Kumaro a little bit. Um, you know, looking at these three guys, maybe maybe you had four when uh, Equinemius St. Brown comes back later in the season. But for now, you got three guys that can come in and play um, behind Devontae Adams. Who do you like? Why do you like them? And how big of an impact do you need to see from them this week? I think Valdez Scaling has to have a huge week. Minnesota's secondary is a little banged up and overall just not that deep. And so I, th- I think just based on what Mike Zimmer, similar to a lot of great defensive minds, he always wants to take away your top option. So Devontae Adams, he's still going to – I picture him having a better week than last week overall number-wise, but it's still going to be a struggle. They're still going to be scheming against him. So Valdez Scaling has to kind of – like so many teams, that number two receiver that has more opportunities on the opposite side of the number one really needs to step up in these big games like this. I, I think he's capable of doing it against Minnesota's secondary. I don't think I, – I think they're, that's one part of the defense that maybe is a little more overrated than it should be. I, Minnesota's defense is great. I'm not trying to take away too much, but I do think there are some holes that we saw last season, and I don't think they've necessarily been completely fixed this year. Um, so Vada Scantling, absolutely. Geronimo Allison is still an explosive guy. I just haven't seen it as consistently from him. I feel like at this point with Vada Scantling, I would trust him quite a bit, and I think Aaron Rodgers does as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I would love to see Scantling come through with a little bit bigger of a, a game. Obviously, we saw one big play last week, but outside of that, he was very quiet. Um, Devontae Adams has to step up. Geronimo Allison was a guy last year who Rodgers looked to very early in the season. He looked to him often. Um, I think he is a guy that if you can get going, he's obviously a big body, very, very athletic. Um, I think he may have a pretty big impact on this game. I think Scantling is going to have a good game as well. I think he needs to. But I think you're going to need a guy like Allison to come in and um, play the slot a little bit even. Um, Maybe make some plays over the middle. Um, He's obviously a big target. He's quick. Um, That's a guy right there that I think is an X-factor for this game. So before I ruin the next segment with all these X-factors, 
Let's start talking about the five most important players of the game for Green Bay. Um, I think the way we're going to do it is I'm going to let you say one, then I'm going to go with it, and we're, we'll see where we're at when everything's said and done. Sounds good. I'll, I'll start with Kevin King. I already brought him up once, but I'm not as worried about Alexander on the opposite side, regardless of what receiver he's lined up on. It's going to be a huge test, and you know, no one's going to completely stop either of these guys. But I think Kevin King, for me, is when I the first player I thought of that has to have a huge week. Just stopping what the Minnesota Vikings can do down the field, even for enough time. You know, you don't have to completely stop Thielen or Diggs from getting open eventually, but you have to do it enough that the defense line that has improved, as we talked about, can get to Cousins. If the, the pocket does crumble, that's when we have seen Cousins kind of go down in his performance. So I think Kevin King, for me, uh, really, you know, out of all the guys I could think of, he's the most important player in this game. And what he does will go a long way to what the Packers defense overall can do against Minnesota. Absolutely agree with Kevin King. I think uh, the first guy that came to mind for me was Blake Martinez, inside linebacker. Last week he had a big sack. He was he was very um, you know he was very good at stopping the run, helping with the run. I think that's going to be big this week. He's got to help put pressure on Kirk Cousins, and he's also got to help clog that middle up. Obviously, got Kenny Clark in the middle, but I think Blake Martinez is going to be a major impact player in stopping Dalvin Cook. And I think that's the number one the number one thing the Packers defense has to focus on, as you mentioned earlier in the show. Um, let's go to number two. Number two for me, well, I did have Blake on my list as well, so good points there. I'll I'll go with uh, David Bakhtiari. I think overall, I mean, the offensive line itself is, as I mentioned, my just one key to the offense getting going. But I think Bakhtiari, uh, always a tough matchup with Everson Griffin. There's been some good quotes this week about the playful battle that those guys have had over the years and the respect they have for each other. But I think, it, I mean, it, there's, it is not a joke. It is a heavyweight fight. And him being able to protect Rodgers and give him that extra time will let these plays develop down the field, will allow them to get uh, not fall behind the chains like they did so much against Chicago. So another another one that, you know, just a kind of an, not necessarily an unsung hero against, uh, among Packer fans, but overall this guy is so vital to what uh, the Packers offense does. And when, when they're thriving, he's thriving. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with Bakhtiari for my second one. I am doubling down on Bakhtiari with you. Um, obviously, there's some health concerns surrounding him this week. I think he's got a back issue. Um, that's something to keep an eye on as kickoff gets a little bit closer. But I think you're looking at you're looking at a defense who obviously Green Bay has had nightmares about since two years ago when Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. Um, we simply cannot afford to have Rodgers' blind side open this week. Um, obviously, the offense looked rough last week. I don't want to imagine what it would look like without Rodgers. Um, the Tim Boyle has to come in. It's time to tank for the number one pick. So I think absolutely David Baxiari is a massive key to this game. Um, if he's healthy, awesome. If he's not, I think we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, let's go to number three. Number three, I mean, you talked about Geronimo Allison going in the slot. I'll go with whoever's really playing in the slot much. Uh, one thing that I think Matt LaFleur will try to do that we saw Sean McVay do last year and a few other teams that had a lot of uh, – good passing days against the Vikings they were kind of able to have packages that disguise themselves as heavier personnel with a receiver kind of playing a tight end position and kind of forcing matchups from Minnesota's end if they're not able to identify them early where Anthony Barr especially is guarding a receiver so and you and the the game I can't stop thinking about with that was with last year with Sean McVay with Cooper Cup uh, and Robert Woods both in slot positions, burning him for deep touchdowns. I think that Matt LaFleur will try to do the same thing in this game, try to get Geronimo Allison's, uh, whoever he has in the slot, really. I think that 
player in this game, as you mentioned uh, before, I mean, there's going to be a lot of talent on the outside. There's going to be a lot of focus on stopping Devontae Adams and Scantling. So if they're able to force these kind of mismatches on the defense, those are ways that Mike Zimmer defense has been exploited in the past. So whoever's in the slot for Green Bay, I think is going to have some big assignments in this game and could be ultimately uh, part of the reason the Packers are able to put up some more points than we saw last week. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I'm going to go def- defense again here. I'm going to say Darnell Savage, the rookie safety. Um, obviously, last week, he showed some good things. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a mixed review on him. Obviously, there there weren't any crazy big plays. He had three tackles. Um, he nearly made an interception that he dropped. Um, but I think he's going to be a big key this week. Obviously, you're looking at those receivers. Um, you're looking at Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. at tight end. I think Savage is the type of guy that can you know, obviously make some plays down the field. He can come up and he can cover a, a tight end. Um, we saw it a little bit in the preseason where we come up and, and cover tight ends. Um, I think that's important. Green Bay hasn't had anybody that could cover a tight end like that for a long time, even though he's a little bit smaller. Um, he's quick enough and he's athletic enough to make those plays. Um, I think he's going to be a huge key. And obviously, as a rookie, um, you're looking at maybe the Vikings trying to exploit him a little bit and taking shots down the field. He's got to be solid. He can't take gambles. Um, that's a guy that I'm looking at as a major key. Let's take a look at number four. So this one, I'll kind of uh, cheat a little bit. I'll do like a package deal with the Smiths. I'll go with Preston and Zadarius Smith. I think we, uh, we talked about a lot of in this game. If the, if the Packers' defense is going to have success, they're going to have Minnesota on third and long. They're going to be able to know that the pass is coming and get after Kirk Cousins and force a mistake. So I think these guys being able to have force pressure, but also their, their role in the run defense will be big as well. You know, we talked about stopping Dalvin Cook and how important that is. I think these guys setting the edge and kind of, at least on some of the earlier downs, maybe they won't be able to pin their ears back quite as much to get after Cousins, but they do need to set the edge and really stop Dalvin Cook from just burning them, as we saw. If, if, if you watch the highlights from the Atlanta game and some of the um, footage from behind, the, from end zone to end zone, they were really just huge holes for Dalvin Cook as well as he played. Their offensive line, was, uh, for as much as I've kind of bashed on them here, they were had some great run blocking in that game. And uh, I think Preston and Zadarius need to have a huge week, not only getting after Cousins, but also just helping to stop the run because it's going to be a group effort. Yeah, watching the Smiths in week one, obviously they were great in the pass rush, and, and a lot of the hype did not talk about um, their ability to help get in there with David Montgomery and Cohen a little bit. Um, absolutely a major key. I agree with that 100%. I'm going to go back to offense, and I'm going to say the running backs. Obviously you're looking at uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Both of those guys have to come in and make and make plays. Um, the running game is going to open up this passing offense. Uh, the defensive line, I'm not scared of the interior of the defensive line. I think the pass rush is there, but you don't have the big bodies like Akeem Hicks in Chicago. Um, obviously, he shut down that run defense or run offense by himself pretty much last week. Um, I think Green Bay is going to be able to open some holes. They have to open some holes, and these guys have to hit them. Um, I'm a little bit shocked that Aaron Jones didn't receive more run uh, last week. Um, obviously it wasn't working terribly well, but you saw Jamal Williams come in five carries, zero yards. That was another story in and of itself. Um, but LaFleur needs to get Aaron Jones going. Obviously Jamal Williams is more of a receiving back in my opinion. So uh, I think, I think on third downs, he's going to be key, but on first and second down, you mentioned it earlier in the show, Green Bay cannot afford to have third and longs. And I think that all starts with getting at least three to four yards on for, on a first down run. And that just was not happening last week. Um, if Aaron Jones can consistently pick up three to four yards um, on first down and make it, you know, third and four, third and three um, by the end of it, I think you're looking at an offense that moves the chains a little better. I think you're looking at an offense that scores more than 10 points. Um, those two guys are major keys for me this week. So let's move forward to the final number five. 
Uh, this one might be the most obvious. Uh, I'm not really uh, changing anything in the game here, but I'm saying Aaron Rodgers for the fifth most uh, important player in this game. Uh, obviously, really probably the most important, but the, the reason I say him is because I have a couple points about overall just not turning the ball over against this team, utilizing our, the new punter the Packers have and J.K. Scott. I think a lot of forcing Minnesota, as we've talked about, to go down um, kind of longer fields than they had last week will be really important. So for Rodgers, I think protecting the ball as he usually does, but not getting frustrated. If the offense still isn't, you know, firing on all cylinders, putting up 30 points like we uh, the Packers hope by the end of the season, um, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think not getting too anxious and frustrated, and I don't think Rodgers necessarily will, but you know, just not forcing things, I think, will be a very important part of this game. It, it, you know, if you have to punt, you have to punt. But I think the, the defense is good enough that for the Packers now that they can afford to do that if they absolutely have to. Rodgers doesn't have to save the team. And so him being able to protect the ball, uh, kind of get make the throws when they are there. There were a few missed passes that Aaron did, uh, kind of uncharacteristic ones in week one. So not, you know, limiting those mistakes, not turning the ball over, making sure that uh, when it is third and long, maybe, you know, don't try to force it in because it's the turnovers at the end of the day for Minnesota's defense that they thrive on, and then that kind of flips their offense. So we'll see what Aaron's able to do. I think he'll definitely play a lot better next, uh, last week, but even if they're not putting up the points that the Packers hope by the end of the season, I don't think that's the end of the world here. No, I agree with that. Um, now, obviously, Rodgers was on my list as well, but you covered it perfectly, so I'm just going to go ahead and cheat and pick Kenny Clark as my number five. Um, you know, you talked about him a little bit in the opener, opening uh, segment. Um, absolutely massive game needed from him. Um, he's the guy that clogs the middle. He had a couple big plays against the Bears last week um, where he would completely dominate the offensive line, get through the line, and stop the Bears on third down and force a punt. Um, he, they need that this week. Obviously, Dalvin Cook needs to be stopped at the line of scrimmage. He needs to be hit early. He cannot be allowed to pick up the chunk yardage and take pressure off of Kirk Cousins. It all starts with the line. Kenny Clark is definitely one of the most important players in this game, in my opinion. Um, so as far as that's concerned, those five guys on both of our lists are absolutely crucial this week. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about fantasy value for Jimmy Graham. Um, let's open that up just a little bit more. Obviously, we got a lot of people that love fantasy football. They're listening in for Packers, but obviously they'll take some expert fantasy football advice from us. Um, who are your fantasy must plays and fantasy sits this week? I mean, must play, obviously, Devontae Adams. That goes without saying, is a guy that a lot of people took in the first round of their drafts. I think Aaron Rodgers, I, you know, even last week, there are people I knew that started Lamar Jackson over Aaron Rodgers just based on the matchups, and that worked out quite well for them. But I think Aaron Rodgers will be a must-play this week against the Minnesota defense that is still solid, as we've talked about, but not quite what we uh, the Packers got from the Bears. Uh, in terms of sits, I mean, I it's hard for me to say off the top of my head. I mean, I'll, there's so many guys in this game that are just such big stars. If you had Kirk Cousins, I, I might sit him just based on what the Packers secondary was able to do last week. But you're not, if you have Thielen or Diggs, you're not going to sit those guys or Cook. Um, and even Marcus Valdez-Scantling, I think he's a solid flex play this week. He, you know, he's still not putting up the huge numbers from a number two receiver um, you know, at this point, but it's only been one game. So that would be an intriguing play for me. I'd probably sit Jimmy Graham, as I talked about. I don't think if you have an option, um, better option at tight end, uh, even though if you're a Packer fan, I don't get tied up into that. Your fantasy team separate from your uh, from your allegiance as a fan. So. Uh, I, I mean, hopefully Jimmy Graham has a big week for Green Bay, but I, I, I still think that that was kind of an anomaly. And I, I mean, I hope, I hope he proves me wrong, though, over the course of the year. 
How do you feel about Aaron Jones this week? Do you think he's the type of guy that somebody could play as a you know RB two or maybe a flex? Is he somebody you stay away from? I I, I think. I don't want to overreact too much to one week. If I if I had Aaron Jones on one of my teams, I would play him absolutely. I I, I think a lot of times in fantasy and in betting and overall, just uh, fans one you know one week of games can kind of set the tone for how we feel about players um, in a lot of different ways, and I I think that's a little unfair. I, I mean, it is one week, and I don't, I don't think a lot of the things that happened with Aaron Jones in the first game were necessarily all his fault. It wasn't like he was missing holes necessarily. The the Bears were just absolutely everywhere. So. I think he'll have a better week. Uh, you know, if we go down the line, maybe he'll have some better matchups in Minnesota, even. But I would play him if I had him on my team. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I actually have him on my team, so I was curious to get your opinion on that. Um, I, I actually have Duke Johnson in ahead of him right now, so I think Aaron Jones is a sit for me. But I completely agree with you. I completely agree that he's not too risky of a play this week. Um, you may be disappointed. You may not be. Um, now there is one other guy that I just want to say very clearly: do not play Kyle Rudolph. Last week, zero points, no catch, nothing. Rebay's better. Do not play him. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, so let's go. Final score prediction. Um, we're just about out of time here, so let's hear your final score prediction for Packers-Vikings. So yeah, on, on the uh, other our Clutch Points NFL Established the Past podcast, I already picked the Packers to win, so uh, hopefully all you guys are happy about that. Um, all for a final score, I'll go with twenty to seventeen. So right on the right on the spread. I, I don't know if they're. It's. I think it's going to be a really close game. I don't think it's going to be necessarily really high scoring, but I do think there'll be enough things the Packers are able to do moving the ball. Maybe some turnovers are able to force some Cousins to allow them to get in the end zone a couple times. And overall, though, I think at the end of the day, the defense is going to be what wins this game again. And I think that's a really encouraging thing over the course of the year as the offense kind of is fine-tuned and uh, LaFleur and Rodgers get everything clicking. I think the idea of that happening with uh, the defense that Green Bay now has is a scary proposition for the rest of the, not just the division, but the conference overall. So I'll go 2017 Packers. I like the prediction. I'm going 24-20 Green Bay. I think there's going to be a little bit more offense, but not too much more. Um, you mentioned pretty much everything. Obviously, if you can force a turnover to from Kirk Cousins, which I think will happen, um, if you can slow down Dalvin Cook compared to last week, which I also think will happen, uh, the Packers' offense is not going to put up 30 points. They're going to look a lot better, though. Um, Rodgers is going to look more comfortable. LaFleur is going to look more comfortable. Aaron Jones is going to look more comfortable. And this is going to be a Packers win at home in the friendly confines of Lambeau Field, moving to 2-0. and um, Dylan, any closing thoughts? I think that's it, Evan. Just looking forward to overall the games this week, but this is definitely one that every time these two teams play stands out, and especially this year. I think these are right with the Bears. Overall, this division's so strong, and it's always fun to see what these teams do. So hopefully Green Bay gets a win that has eluded them against the Vikings, I think, for a few years now. So uh, we'll be a big one for Green Bay for sure. Yeah, I believe I saw that the Packers have not beat the Vikings since Barack Obama was president. So, it's time to change that. Now, thank you very much for joining us, Dylan. We appreciate it. Um, obviously, we hope to have you on at some point in the future. But until then, uh, let's go Packers this week against the Vikings. 2-0. Go Pack Go.